Hi, my name is Monica. I'm a compulsive eater and restrictor. Hi. I'm also a body obsessor, a compulsive exerciser, and an orthorexic. Usually leave those for the, the longer shares when I have a little more time. Um, just going to say a quick prayer for God to please speak for me in this lead. Um, it's something I try to do when I lead a meeting, and um, I usually do it silently, but then I realized recently that the only reason I knew how to do that was because other people would do it out loud. So if I can offer that to anyone, I'm happy to do that. Um, thank you, Atisa, for asking me to be here and to lead this morning. Uh, I just got back from Australia two days ago, so I'm a little jet-lagged, um, and I'm really grateful to be, you know, have a reason to be here this morning other than just for my own recovery. But... Um, it's easier to get here for other people sometimes. And uh, um, what it was like, I've been in program for seven years. It was seven years in September that I came into the rooms. And um, I grew up in a family. I'm the oldest of three kids. Um, my parents did not have a great marriage. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of yelling in the house. I feel like I've told this story so many times. You guys, I'm like looking at faces that have heard it so many times. I'm trying to like make it different somehow and it's not going to be, so I need to surrender that. Um, and there was a lot of yelling in the house and um, I don't think I was born with this disease, but I think I was born with or came into very early on an inordinate amount of fear and shame and anxiety. And so that I, I learned very quickly to sort of manage that with different tools, one of which is food and controlling it or not controlling it and using it to you know sedate myself in whatever ways it did. Um, another one was, was various sort of compulsive behaviors. I had um, things that I had forgotten about, but then I sort of started to uncover as I did the work of recovery of like um, little ticks. Like I had, I would do this thing with my popping my jaw, and I would do the same thing with my like wrists and thumbs. Um, to the point that it caused me a lot of physical pain. I was like really sore and I was really scared that I was going to like, something was going to like get stuck or get dislocated or something. Um, but no one ever, either no one ever noticed it or no one ever called it out. So like no one was really paying attention or like taking care um, of those kinds of things in my house. Thank you. Um, and so, <laughs> um, so, you know, I use the food and I'm really grateful now that I have some recovery, I can really express and understand my gratitude for the fact that that is what I had because um, my brother was uh, affected differently. He got a drug addiction um, and he got, he, I don't know, <laughs> he, um, he, he was very angry. He was a really angry kid. He was angry about our household situation. Um, and he was militant and he used control in like a physical and emotional sense uh, to deal with his feelings and then that led to a drug addiction which then killed him by the time he was 27. So it's like the grace of getting a disease that gave me a little more time to find my way into recovery is, you know, that's where the gratitude lies today. Um, so I grew up, I was an athletic kid, I was a competitive figure skater um, which was a really interesting world to be in because it's a world that's very body centric and you you know can excel um, more or less depending on what your body looks like and what your dress looks like and what your hair looks like and all these things that are very physically judged um, there are judges <laughs> like it's like very <laughs> um, so all of that was in my you know consciousness and also I was 
very aware that like I had to continue to eat a certain way to maintain my ability to show up and perform. So I was kind of, as I got into high school and like struggling with this, wanting to look a different way and also wanting to excel in the sport, um, I had the thought that like the, my wanting to do well and like be in the sport also was saving me from having a full-blown eating disorder. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not, but like my mind was kind of already thinking in this way. Um, and so what the disease looked like early on is that I, um, I have what I did, but I have the restricting and I have the compulsive eating. And I, you know, chicken or the egg, I don't really know um, which came first. But my suspicion is that it actually started with the restricting. Um, and, you know, classic sort of textbook eating disorder stuff, which, you know, it was a way to control my, my life and my world that was around me. And I, my first real memory of it that came up in my, um, my food history when I did it the first few times uh, was I read a magazine article when I was probably about 11 or, or so years old. It was 11, um, about a girl who gave up um, drinking soda for, like, some sort of religious reason or something like that. Um, and it, like, lit a little bulb in my brain that was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, I wonder if I could do that. And I did. I was 11. I stopped drinking soda. I haven't had any since. I mean, I've had, it, like, a taste of it here and there, but I haven't had any since. And it, like, gave me this feeling of, like, control and of, like, being better than because I was able to do something that other people maybe didn't want to do or couldn't do. Um, And so as I sort of, like, progressed in the illness, uh, my disease looked like taking things away, taking things out of my diet. And um, another very clear example of that that came up later was when I was in college. I studied abroad a few times, one of the first of which um, I was going to a lot of countries um, in one quick trip and uh, I was nervous about what I might be fed there that I wouldn't have any control over and so my solution to this was to go vegetarian because it couldn't, no one could feed me a vegetable that would scare me but there were things that maybe were meat based that I would not want to eat and so um, like now in retrospect it was so evident that I was like I was having feelings and I was trying to manage that by managing my food and the way I interacted with it in the world um, And so this kind of went, like, I would go very progressively, like, take foods out of my diet until I got down to, like, a very limited amount of things that I would eat. And then I would lose weight, and I would compulsively exercise in tandem with that, and I would get down to a body size that I felt more comfortable in. And I would maintain that for as long as I could until my body gave out, and I couldn't do it anymore, and I would start eating again. I would stop exercising, and I would just, like, completely swing in the opposite direction. So... um, my weight, like my weight would like, I would, it would creep down and then it would creep up and then I would lose a little bit more and then I would gain a little bit more back. So it was just that constant yo-yo that we're always talking about and every single time the swing got bigger and bigger. And this happened, um, you know, it really ramped up for me in college because I'd stopped skating at that point competitively um, and I started, you know, I went to school, I was studying abroad, I did that a few times, which actually um, my trip to Australia is going to loop back into this because my third semester that I did abroad... I really did college right in that way. I was not a drinker. I was not sleeping around. I was not doing any of the other fun things that a lot of people do in college, but I did travel a lot. Um, My last semester that I did abroad was in Australia. And um, before I went on this trip that I recently just got back from, I went through my old journals. Um, I was like, oh, let me see what what, what I have that I had, like, sort of forgotten about. And I was... Um, I remember this disease being a big part of my experience down there, and I was, in the, I was in the compulsive eating side of it at that point, and so my weight was very high. I was very uncomfortable in my body. I remembered a lot of nights 
um, were like my friends would go out drinking and you know having fun and I would stay at home and eat and be depressed and write in my journal. <laughs> so I had a lot of content to look back on. Um, and I also remembered just how uncomfortable I was in my body and like it didn't stop me from doing a lot of things but it did stop me from doing something. So like there was Anytime I had to get dressed up in fancy clothes, like I would kind of shy away from those events. I didn't have any clothes that I felt comfortable in. Um, and it didn't stop me from doing things like um, like adventurous activities, which was a big part of the experience. But like I remember how fucking uncomfortable I was in a wetsuit and like didn't, like that was the overwhelming memory of like learning how to surf with the wetsuit. Um, <laughs> and so like, um, I was really excited to go back on this trip now to like see if I could have a different experience in a different body and in a different mindset. But in reading this journal, I, you know, I had all these recollections of the eating disorder being a big part of my experience. And I was telling a friend in the program about it and she was like, oh my God, while you're reading the journal, is there a lot about the eating disorder in it? And at that point where I was, I was like, there's actually not. There wasn't really anything in there. And um, I was surprised by that. And then that <coughs> night I opened the journal and I found this passage. <laughs> um, it was August 31st of 2002. Um, kind of out of nowhere as far as what I'd written to up until this point. Um, I started, oh my God, I have a fucking eating disorder. I'm a compulsive overeater. All I have done for the past God knows how many days is eaten or thought about food. Full, hungry, happy, sad, busy, bored, no difference. Even as, as it was sitting in meals, I was thinking about what I would eat next. Um, and it goes on and it's, there's nothing more sort of like clear than that, which was just like, I knew the words. I knew exactly what was going on. I can't, like, in retrospect, I don't even know how I knew the term compulsive overeater. I do know that I did eventually find my way in these rooms. Like, there wasn't an Eskimo. There wasn't, like, someone who told me to come here. Like, I just knew it existed. So it's been in my consciousness for for whatever reason. But um, reading that and seeing how clear I was about what what my problem was and what it was doing to me and what it looked like, it took me nine years from that point to get to a meeting. And, like... I just, I needed that much more time to think that I had some way to manage it and some way to, like, control it myself. Um, so, it felt kind of that's all I need to tell you as far as what it was like. It's the same as, I'm sure, you know, all of our stories here. Uh, but there's nine more years of it before I got, you know, of what it was like. Like, I moved out to Los Angeles in 2005. I came out here to, do, to work in a creative field. Um, and I... Very, you know, at that point, I was like, living. I'm moving to a new city. I'm gonna like obviously have a new body, you know. And so I'm, I'm gonna change that and focus on that. And so I started for the first time in my life. I'd never used the word diet because I had so much shame around it and any shame about anyone else knowing that I felt shame. Like I, it was very kind of close to the vest for me. And so I did a, a weight loss program, a commercial weight loss program. Uh, online, so I didn't have to like go to places and see people. Um, and I had to count things, um, and I was really good at it. Like it, it like hit that thing in my brain that was like, okay, I can like solve this equation. And I, re- I very um, vividly remember when I kind of started to understand what the program was. That I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the way that I can eat, eat the most amount of food for the least amount of. Um, and like that was my goal like that was like how I was going to cheat the system and it worked like I was really good at it I lost like 50 pounds over the course of like a healthy amount of time Um, and I got 
pretty thin. I got thin enough that my doctor wanted me to gain weight. I got thin enough that I stopped going to a doctor. And then I got thin enough that when I finally did, like, she wanted me to start gaining weight. And um, foods just sort of, like, left my um, diet. So, like, I progressively took out things, you know, food, entire food categories to the point where I was mostly eating green vegetables and some sort of vegetarian protein. Um, it was very limited, and I know that we there's a lot of sharing in the rooms about like when we're compulsively eating, we shut the blinds, and we kind of have this sort of um, hermetic existence. And that is not my experience with the compulsive eating. You know, it, it isolates me in certain ways, but it's it, um, eating is a social activity, and so for me, like that has been something that's kept me engaged. The restricting part of the disease is the thing that's kept me isolated. So. When I'm restricting, I have to make all of my own food because I can't, you know, trust that a restaurant or that someone else is going to prepare it the way that I want it to be prepared. So I'm, I'm at home chopping vegetables for hours on end every day, and I'm exhausted because I'm compulsively exercising and I have no nutrients in my body, so I have to go to bed early so that I could try to get sleep so that I could be ready for the next day of doing something over and over. So it was very isolating, uh, and the like my world just shrank in a way that I had not experienced before. I have a lot more memories and a lot more friends um, from the parts of my life that I was compulsively eating than I do from the parts of my life where I was restricting. Um, and, you know, I got to be really depressed. I didn't know that's what ha- was happening at the time, but I was really depressed, um, and my world was really dark. And, but it was thin. Uh, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> And um, and it was working for me, you know. It was working for me until it didn't work for me anymore. And what that meant was that I, you know, I lost the weight and then I maintained it for the magic amount of years that they tell you is like how long. If you maintain it for this long, then you'll maintain it for the rest of your life. So I was like, we're so good. Um, and then my weight started to just creep up a little bit. And my, you know, that was unacceptable to me. Like the the way my life looked to manage that was one thing, and I was willing to like sacrifice having any sort of life and relationships in order to look a certain way and like feel a certain way in my body which was really more what it was about um but once that started to slip too i was like well this is unsustainable um and so i you know i probably gained like eight pounds or something like that and i was like well the solution to this obviously is to train for a marathon you guys <laughs> um so i started running i was already running but i started like formally training running and um but we refused to commit to the marathon of it all because I was like, I'm, I'm only going to commit to something if I know I'm actually going to follow through on it. So I was like, maybe we'll run it, but I'm just going to join this group of people that are training for this thing. Um, and this is like a very quick descent into my bottom, which was that I started training in, like I would say, September. Um, in December of that year, the job that I've been working at since I moved to L.A., which was about six or seven years at that point that I'd been at ended very abruptly um, and so I was like suddenly like the, the rug was like pulled out for me a little bit and that was pretty much all of my relations here in LA was from that job um, and that was December 19th or something December 21st my brother died from his um, drug addiction and um, and then in like February Jan- no, in, like January I sustained a running injury so I like couldn't run anymore so kind of like everything was sort of like thrown into a whirlwind for me um and i ran the marathon anyway injured uh finished it and which i'm totally proud of still even though i'm a crazy (laughs) fucking person and um 
drove my body into the ground and I couldn't I couldn't even walk anymore like I was I was limping around and I had to go to PT and all the things and my solution to this was like well I have to, I have to go to a nutritionist now like that was like still the only thing I could see was that like if I fix the food the problem will go away and so I went to a nutritionist who was a holistic um, practitioner who was a godsend and she listened to all of my you know restrictions that I had around my food and she gave me a food plan and she said here she was like follow this if you find that you can't follow this because it takes into consideration all of your restrictions and also all of the, the protein and nutrients and everything you need to be getting if you're eating outside of what is on this plan you might need more help and she meant therapy and I was not willing to like look into that yet even though I knew I needed it it just felt too overwhelming so I was like well obviously I'll stick to the food plan like that's what I do um, so no problem so I go to, to work at a new job at this point and I'm like sitting my food plan like day three I'm like in the kitchen like shoving cookies in my mouth and I was like okay that's it got it can't do it anymore so I went back to my office looked up OA online I knew, like I said I knew it existed I don't know how um, and I looked it up I would say I looked up meetings like three times before that over the course of the years after like binges um, and this time I went to a meeting that night after work and I haven't stopped going since and that was so Wednesday night it was in, West, in the west side of LA um, and I did it was a room that I walked into that um, I didn't see really anyone that looked like me everyone was much older than me in that room um, a lot of different body types than mine um, so I was younger I was thinner than most people in the room the newcomer contact was a very sweet older woman who came up to me after the meeting and said you look great to me which is so well intentioned and like so not helpful um, and but what I heard was like go to six different meetings to see if the program is right for you and like that's what I needed to hear so the next morning oh and in that meeting I spent the whole time thinking about which candy bar I was going to buy on my way home from <laughs> Um, but miraculous and like I decided which one I was going to get but I didn't stop for it like that was also the thing that like I couldn't that's the grace that I couldn't account for so the next morning I got up and I went to a 7.30 a.m. West Hollywood that doesn't exist anymore with a meditation meeting um, one a fellow from that meeting is here this morning and so uh, it was really small there's probably like five people in that room and it was a 10 minute meditation and there were people that um, identified as anorexic bulimic and I heard my story there and I saw the people that had a disease that looked like mine um, and I haven't you know I haven't taken one step away from the program since then and I um, I did it I do things very sort of like slowly sometimes quickly sometimes slowly and like all I did was go to meetings for a while and like didn't share didn't raise my hand didn't get a sponsor until I was like ready for that next indicated action and so I was ready to start I was I was I was ready to have a different experience of it so I started looking for a sponsor and um, I wanted the perfect sponsor which basically was me except thin <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's not what I needed <laughs> and so I um, I saw I went to a meeting I saw a woman who I'd never seen before lead um, and she shared that she um, how much she loved sponsoring didn't think anything of it went to another meeting two days later same one was leading shared about how she loves sponsoring again didn't think anything about it. the third meeting that week that I went to she was leading it and she shared about sponsoring so I was like okay I got it um, so I, worked, I worked with her for a year well for like eight months and I was like it was um, it was like 2011 to 2012 and I was like great 2012 I'm going to do 12 steps in 2012 it's going to be amazing I had like a whole plan for it I was like doing it um, and I got to my eighth step right around August 
that five? Great. Sorry, this is like so much longer than I managed it being. Um, and I relapsed in step eight, and um, I was eating. I was eating again, and so I switched sponsors. Long story, like really short. I switched sponsors. My new sponsor looked at my food history and was like, "Hmm, there's a lot of restricting eating in there. Maybe we should consider adding that to your abstinence." And uh, it scared the hell out of me because that was the one thing I didn't know how to do was not restrict. And she was like, well, the good news is you don't have to do that. That's like God's problem. Um, and so I was like willing to try because I wanted what she had. And I was willing to do whatever she said. And at that point, I was so uncomfortable in my body. I had never been more uncomfortable. So I was like, what's more uncomfortable? It doesn't matter if I'm more uncomfortable than I am already now. I'm already the most uncomfortable. So like if I have to gain weight as a result of that, like I'm willing to do it. Um, and her story and my previous sponsor's story and my following sponsor's story was that they had first gained like 20 pounds in abstinence and then as they worked the program they lost that and more and that was what happened for me I um, I gave up restricting as well or it was lifted from me that day um, I gained a little bit more weight as I like continued to work the steps and then when I got to about step four I lost a lot and it's continued to like progress as I've worked the steps in this and in other programs that have worked <coughs> since then um, and that piece of my abstinence that no restricting has given me more freedom than anything else in this program no question um and the other thing was when i started working with her i started working the steps over again and that was i had avoided switching sponsors because i didn't want to do that i wanted to just like power through and that has been the best thing i've done in this program singularly was like starting over again and like having a new experience um of step one which i've been you know <coughs> done multiple programs now and so like to really, you know, steal from um, what it's like now and, like, give you the short end of the stick on that is that, like, it's way fucking better. It's not perfect, but it's way better. And, I, you know, I went on this trip that I was so excited to see if I could have a different experience in a different body, and um, I did. And, like, not everything was different. And the thing that, like, amused me is that going back, um, I, I, I visited this one specific town that I lived in while I was there, which is, like, a smaller town outside of a bigger city. And... Um, one of the things I did was go to the grocery store because that was like where we went because it was a small town so we like went to the grocery store so it was like one of my memories and like walking in there and like seeing foods that I used to eat that I can't eat now and then also foods that I can eat now that are sort of like still like sexy and but within my abstinence like it's like seeing old friends like that is the feeling I had it's just like comfort and like joy and like oh there you guys are and like it's like I went to the party and like my friends were there um and, like, what's amazing is that I can, like, find amusement in that and not feel, like, shame and horror because I know that I'm not alone with it. Um, and I traveled with a fellow, and, like, that is a gift of this program is, like, having people on the road with me that, like, physically, literally on the road with me and also spiritually and emotionally on the road with me um, and knowing that whatever either of our experiences are, like, there's nothing that we can't share. There's nothing that I can't be honest about. You know, the first time I traveled with someone from the rooms was a few years ago, and she, would, she had been my sponsor, and I had a moment when we were on the plane of, like, gripping anxiety, like, oh, my God, what if, what if, like, I need to eat something or do something or have whatever I'm feeling? And I was like, she's heard my fourth step. Like, there's nothing. She knows everything. Like, there's nothing that comes that she doesn't already know. And, like, the freedom of that to, like, just exist in the world as I am has been a gift of this program that um, I, I will never be able to, like, pay back. Um, and I'm so grateful for And that has also, like, that's changed my life and that's changed who I am. Like, that has rewired my DNA in a way that I um, could never have done by myself. Like, this is a WE program. The opposite of addiction is connection. It's very simple. Um, that has been my experience. Um, 
and I didn't talk about the steps basically at all, but they're really important. <laughs> and um, I have worked them all in this program and in the other programs, and I would be thrilled to answer questions about that or anything else if you guys have any. So thank you for letting me share. Yeah. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of a Readers Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. We are being recorded, so please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, Are there any questions? Yeah, in the back. Uh, Thank you for your share. How is the program Thank you. How has this program helped me deal with shame or regrets from the past? Great. Um, you know, I think I touched upon it a little bit when I shared about, you know, traveling with that friend who was a sponsor, which is that the act of being honest and the practice of being honest in this program has helped alleviate the shame um, that I've experienced. And, you know, as I've done multiple fourth steps in the program, the very first time I did one, uh, was with my first sponsor and it was like we did it out of the 12 the questions in the 12 and 12 and we sat down at a park and I was like face down like reading out of my notebook at like lightning speed and I like didn't look up and I didn't pause and I like, just got through it and that's what I needed to do like I just needed to say it um, and that was what I, that's the level that I was functioning at and, that, and then like the next time I did it I had a different sponsor I had a different relationship I was someone that I was like emotionally um, connected to and so it was like I was like, emotionally invested in the process like cared about what she thought about me and so like that was like the next level of like um, another person having like being witnessed by another person and that time and every other time that I've ever done a fourth and fifth step I was received with only love and acceptance and like non-judgment and like I was so em- like embraced by it and by her and just by the process of it all that um, that starts to wear away at the shame like it's when you start to like when I have started to tell my truth and it just be received um, it helps me feel less shame and then also when I go into meetings and there's so many feelings and experiences and things that I have no words for or no ways to articulate but then I hear someone else share it and I recognize it as my own stuff. Like th- that has helped alleviate a lot of it too, just to recognize that I'm not alone. Because what's underlying all of this stuff is just basic humanity. Um, and the more that we, you know, the more that I see that, and then also the more that I travel and I go to meetings in other cities and other countries, which I love to do. It's like one of like twelve step tourism is like my favorite thing. Um, that like it becomes even more clear that like internationally like these people that have this disease unlike my blood relatives who I don't feel necessarily very connected to like this is the thing that's running through my veins and my body that is the thing that connects me to other people in the world and like I could go anywhere in the world and like find my people and so that makes me feel not alone which helps me to feel not shame and not regret for what I've done in the past because when I can share that and like use that as a source of connection to other people like I see the purpose in it What's your relationship with exercise today? Um, have you dealt with exercising? How do you deal with days off and manage a healthy relationship with that? Thank you. It's a great question. How do I deal with exercise now? What's my relationship with it having come from that part of the disease as well? Um, it was a huge part of my recovery. And so what happened was um, 
I got abstinent in November, and I don't remember, no, end of October. I actually can never remember the year, but it was six years ago, whatever that was, so 2012. Um, and very quickly after I got abstinent, my exercise was lifted from me entirely, meaning I stopped exercising. And the way that happened sort of organically in God's time was that I got a puppy, <laughs> and um, I felt really guilty exercising without her and she was too little to go outside so like I I would go on a walk and I would carry her with me and like literally that was all I would do Um, and then once she got big enough I would go on walks with her and that's the only exercise I did for for like probably two years um, maybe even more than that Um, and it was exactly what I needed Uh, and I would every year the marathon would the LA marathon would happen and I would go watch it because I saw friends that were running it or and I, I noticed like I kind of clocked my recovery by what my reaction to that marathon was and it was like the first year I went and watched it I was like I miss doing that I would love to do it again like and like within a minute I was already doing like three a day workouts in my head and I was like no we're not ready for that yet um, and like I watched over the years as that changed and like oh I'd really like to do that to like that doesn't look so fun after all and then like and actually coming back around to like an interesting it would be interesting and also I'm not I'm not ready to like step into that kind of commitment but so what happened after I sort of was just like walking a few days a week with a dog for years um, I was introduced through some outside spiritual work that came as a result of my growing spiritually in this program I started to like seek outside help in that regard um was a yoga practice that is very spiritually based. It's not an athletic yoga practice. And my experience there was I was doing physical things for an emotional and spiritual reason. It was feeding my spiritual health. Um, and it started to reorient my relationship with exercise. Um, and as that became more of a spiritual practice for me, then I, was, I found, without any doing of my own, that I was able to reincorporate running on a very like gentle basis over the course of time. Um, or hiking or anything um, swimming anything that's sort of like um, that I used to do compulsively now I can do very much only at my will and the limit is that if it stops being fun and I stop wanting to do it I stop doing it and that's like the willingness to stop when I when it's no longer serving me is also something I couldn't do for myself that's something that has been done for me just through the process of recovery and my higher power yeah could you talk a little bit more about your spiritual journey. Sure. Um, can I talk a bit more about my spiritual journey? Thank you for asking that. Um, I grew up in a religious household and going to religious school all the way through my undergraduate university. Um, and so God, there, I always had a concept of God and it was not a negative concept. I didn't have a punishing God. It wasn't something that I had necessarily a relationship with very much. Um, but it wasn't a foreign idea to me and it wasn't something that I had a ton of trauma around either. Um, and so when I came into the rooms, I had I shied away from the word God, like in my teenage 20 years, because like other people thought it wasn't cool. And so it still surprises me that I like use that word so freely and so often because um, I felt like a little grossed out by it. But um, my experience coming here was that I like steps um, came to believe in a power greater than myself, like. I, I was clear when I walked in the door of my first meeting that was my step one I was like I do not have this um, so I was I got that something was bigger than me whether it was you know what we call God or this disease or whatever it was like I was powerless and then um, that something else could take it I was so happy for something else to take it at that point that I was um, it, it wasn't hard for me to get to, to one and two and even three with the food 
But step three, I found I was coming up against it with my career. And um, I, my career didn't look like the way I wanted it to. And every night, very early in program, I was like saying the third step prayer and like turning over things as I was falling asleep. And I would, food and body and relationships, and I would get to career and I like hit a brick wall and I like couldn't get that piece over. And I don't know why, and I don't know why after, you know, months of doing that, like one night it just sort of was like a brick wall. It just like broke. And like suddenly I was able to turn that over too. Um, I just kept sort of trying. And um, what I found, this this does within the spirituality of it all, which is that the faith piece that like came in that I can't, you know, I, I couldn't trust myself and I couldn't have faith in myself anymore. So like I had to put that somewhere and so I put it into the program. And, you know, I was trying to, I was pursuing this creative career and I found within my recovery, like, I got to the point where I couldn't do the thing I was doing anymore. Not that I couldn't pursue it, but that, like, I couldn't actively do that thing, so I couldn't, like, write anymore. And some part of me understood that if I stopped doing that for a minute and focused on working the program and working, writing my my steps out and doing that work then like it would come back around and that has been my experience and that's been my experience overall in the spirituality of things of like when I put the thing that I'm worried about aside and I focus on the work in front of me um, usually that's 12 step based but there's you know other things too like polish over here and it shines over there kind of thing of like the spirituality finds the back door in um, and every time I've, I've gone seeking it like it's, it's closer than I think that it is um, so my relationship with my higher power has grown enormously. I've, I've done all the things that you guys have suggested. Like I did, I wasn't feeling a big connection for a long time, and so I was taking suggestions, and one of them was writing a letter to God with your dominant hand and like having God write a letter back with your, your not dominant hand. And like instantly, every time I do it, that thing works. Like it's unbelievable to me, um, whether it's you know God or my other voice or whatever the thing is that I'm accessing, like it's a gentle, quiet, clear voice that always gets through. Um, so I've done that. My meditation practice started with that meeting that I went to initially um, and has increased to a daily practice. Um, and um, I'm trying to think what else. And it's just, a, it's like such a thread of my life now um, and of my relationships that it's, it's sort of inseparable. It's not just about program. Um, it's something that my sponsor, my current sponsor has really gifted me with of like reminding me about how much it has to be every minute of every day I'm checking in God what would you have me do and when I don't know you know I make the call to the fellow that can give me you know the answer because I'm not in my own head something um, that will open me up to the channel so um, it's kind of expanded to beyond the bounds of 12 step but my spirituality is the, the guiding force at this point on my best day <laughs> when I can like let that lead that is what is leading uh, what was your experience um, through working the steps, steps releasing resentments, particularly with your family? Sure, thank you. What was my experience releasing resentments through working the steps? Um, it's a process, <laughs> you know, and it's, I have done multiple four steps, like I've mentioned, and, um, and multiple nine steps. And, you know, seeing my own fault in a lot of these things or my own part in a lot of these things has also been really helpful. And um, the sort of tool, I guess, of self-compassion and self-forgiveness has been really helpful with that, too, and it's not something that comes easily for most of us. Um, I'm not unique in that. But seeing, going through um, my own history and seeing, like, where I really was always doing the best that I could do gives me a lot of 
space to respect and appreciate that that's what everyone else is always doing too and I find almost no situation where that's not true we're all doing just the best that we can do um, so that has helped a lot um, and then also the act of making amends and seeing you know they, I have had universally good experiences or neutral experiences I haven't had any bad experiences with it um, but seeing some of the more graceful responses I, I did, recently did an amends in another program but it was an amends that I had initially made an indirect amends in this program for like I don't know four years ago five years ago um, and it's a, it's a cute story so I'll tell but there was a, a girl that I was friends with when we were younger and then as we got into high school we became more like frenemies and um, I was an asshole like I was just like not I was really what I can understand now and have uh, compassion for is that I was really unhappy and I saw a lot of things in her that like I she was happy and I was you know I was I couldn't, you know, make myself feel okay with that. Um, so I was not kind. And it wasn't terrible, but, like, I carried that weight of that regret and not being the best version of myself that I could be to her. And so in my first loop of amends, my sponsor was, I was like, I don't know if it's a direct amends or not. And she was like, why don't you meditate on it every day for 30 days and, like, see what comes up. <coughs> every day I just kind of, like, meditated on her, sending her whatever love and light that I could. Um, and on the 30th day I was at work I finished my meditation I like checked my phone because the timer on my phone went off and I had a social media friend request from her on my thing and I was like that's all I needed like that was like I don't need to say anything more like that was for me the universe like sort of telling me like this you know everything's clean here so then I you know cut to however many years later I'm doing amends in another program and she's still on my list because something about it is feeling like maybe there's more to uncover here and so I went back and I looked through my, my friend list and she wasn't on it. So she at some point like like rejected the request. Thank you. Um, and I was like, okay, there, there is more work to be done here. And so, thank you. Um, I did all my work in that program and then I, I sent her a message, you know, like a letter that I had um, worked through with some fellows. And um, like almost immediately she responded with the most generous, kind I've only ever thought of you, you know, warmly and like, you know, memories of things that, you know, that her memories of me and like really apologizing for like, she didn't know that I was going through stuff and like she, if, if what I needed was a friend, then like she was sorry for not being able to show up. And like, that's the grace of, of program and like showing up and being honest and like owning my part frees me to like have the relationships that I would want to have. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. How do you deal with character defects? How do I deal with character defects today? Um, step six and seven. It's pretty basic um, for me as far as um, I have. <laughs> I've done so so many lists of character defects, and I am one to err on the side of very specific and very long lists. So I've had you know lists of hundred, hundred and seventy. I think was the last list I did character defects, which is like unmanageable. <laughs> and my sponsor was like, "Why don't we pick the top 40? <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I have found, and then, you know, more recently I just found it, like, narrowed it down to probably, like, a dozen or so. And so, like, every night when I work a tenth step, I kind of, if I have a resentment that creeps up, I, I clock and I write down what character defect it is and I say the seventh step prayer around that. And now I've been able to incorporate throughout the day of, like, when I see myself, and the one that's coming up more than anything else is judgment. Like, that is, like, universally the thing that my mind is always going to, like, well, they should have, or I wouldn't have, or da da da. And um, so I'm just constantly saying, like, God, I humbly ask you to remove the, the character defects of judgment, or whatever you know happens to be in the moment. But like, I'm I'm witnessing more in real time now as it's happening, which is 
progress because you know it took how many years worth of writing to like even start to uncover what those defects were and now that they're coming up faster I can sort of deal with them and then clean them up as I need to because then the act of like getting honest about it and making an amendment necessary like helps to rewire my brain of like oh right like it doesn't feel good when I have that response so like let's see if there's a different response that I can have in actual time so your first sponsor, you wanted to be like you, but then. <laughs> yeah. And the second sponsor, my well, better sponsor, was someone that you had what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my first sponsor is someone that uh, was like me but thin or that's what I thought. Uh, my second sponsor had what I wanted and what was it that she had. Um, my The second sponsor had a relationship, a spiritual uh, relationship that was unlike anything I had seen before. Um, uh, she seemed to be a, a very direct, she had a had and was a very direct, direct channel of her higher power and was getting messages very clearly and um, which is like great for her but the other thing that was like made me feel like oh she's my sponsor is that when she spoke I heard it so whatever she was saying for whatever reason someone else could say it and it wouldn't get through but when she said it it got through to me and so that was what gave me the sort of like click of like because I, I kept calling her like she was the person I kept picking up the phone for outreach calls for um, and I worked with her for two years really really fantastic recovery that I got in that time and then um, our relationship shifted a little bit and you know her life got bigger and our friendship got bigger and it didn't really fit within the bounds of the sponsor sponsor relationship anymore and in God's perfect time like I started hearing the message from someone else um, and so the sponsor I work with currently I've been with her for about four years or so um, and it was just like it was a totally different brand of um, recovery like she is she is light and she is love and she is warm and she is soft and she's been in the program for a really long time and she has a miraculous relationship with food and she's so gentle and loving and um, and she's the one that can get through to me right now and so like kind of I just follow the God voice is what my experience has been thank you how have my relationship changed between this program and my other programs um, almost indescribably I would say um, you know when I came into the rooms uh, it was it was reflected back to me by some friends who some fellows who are now like good friends of mine that I'm sorry for the people on the podcast can't do that but I like would, like call her up like arms crossed like that's what their experience of me was um, and it still like surprises me because I feel like with all the recovery I have now like I'm not a different person I don't feel like a different person I feel like the same person I've always been it's just now that there's stuff that has been lifted that was covering that up so other people can see me in a way that like they couldn't before but necessarily I don't necessarily feel like I'm different um but thank you isn't that it I'm up for this um I the way that it's changed my relationships is that I can show up honestly um when unlike when I you know when I'm reading this journal from Australia like all my friends that I had done there um, no one knew that was going on with me like no one knew that I was sitting at home writing about my eating disorder in the evening like they um, and I don't know that they would have like had the ability to, to like take that in or not but like I have relationships in my life now that can sustain the truth of that and my experience um, in the world and that can have an honest conversation that can conflict resolve and um, can sustain the realities of being human in human bodies in the world um, and I'm doing a lot of outside work um, outside of this program within other 12-step programs and also outside to like continue that evolution because that is the basis of this disease for me is 
is that is like relationship stuff and like my feeling like I can't for whatever reason be authentically myself in the world is the reason I ate and the reason I restricted and the reason I exercised and like all the other tools that I sort of <coughs> utilize to like get through life is um, a result of things that I learned from my family of origin and like from from being in relationship with other humans since then and so that is the like layer that I'm working to uncover and clean up and I look forward to telling you more about it in years when I have recovery from that so thank you yeah.